This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Welcome, welcome to all you in the castle. Welcome to all you hanging out in the courtyard. You're smart. May 1st is beautiful. All of you online viewers, thanks for joining us and those in the chapel as well. Hey, we're so glad you're here. Even if you're the first time you ever walked in this church, we're so glad you're here. As a matter of fact, turn to the person to your left or right and say, I'm glad you're here. Now, turn to your second choice, the other side, and say, I'm really glad you're here. We are, we are so glad you're here. I, I don't know if you're a tourist or if you walked in for the first time or someone drug you to church, but I wanted you to hear those words on behalf of the entire Woodland Hills family. We are so glad you are joining us this morning. We take an offering every week at Woodland Hills. There's ways we can do that. You can do it in the offering boxes that are located right on your foyer on your way out of church this morning. we got a church center app or you can do it online at woodhills.org or you can text it to 84321. So if you were with us last week, you know that Ted kicked off a brand new series called Till You Can't. He talked about making the most of moments or maximizing our time. Today we are going to talk about living with no regrets. Right? So my wife and I get to do a lot of premarital counseling. And in all that premarital counseling, I've never had a couple sit on that couch and say, you know what, I'm really excited to get married to this person. I just wish I would have fooled around with a lot more people before I found this person. <laughs> right? I, I, those are words I've never heard on the premarital couch. And so, But I also want us to understand, to be human is to have regrets. right? And, and the reason I say to be human is to have regrets is because Romans 8.10 says... There is no one righteous, not even one. So, so, so we all, we've all made mistakes, some big, some small, but we all make mistakes and we all have regrets. And when people say, man, I don't have any regrets, I think what's safer to say when we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ is I don't have shame or guilt. Right? But, but there's things, if I were to be honest and transparent with you guys about this morning, that there, there's, there's things in my life that, that I wish I wouldn't have done. Now, thank the Lord, I know I'm forgiven for him, but, but there's still things that, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have hurt this family member. I wish I wouldn't have done that or whatever the case may be. And, and we know several people in our lives that have done things that they wish they wouldn't have done. Uh, here's an example right here, right? When we get to tattoos, no regrets, baby. No regrets. How about this one? This is all my people right here in southwest Missouri, baby. It's get better. That's got to be one of my friends right there. I'm telling you what. Telling you what. Love concurs all. Some of you with that Southwest Missouri education I'm talking about are still trying to figure out what's wrong. I don't get it. Or how about this one? Don't let the past make your decisions for today. Mama, you love my tattoo? That was a poor decision, baby. How about this one? Man, he broke up with Francesca and moved to San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they didn't regret any of those tattoos. I, who am I to judge? But we all make decisions in life when we, we wish we could go back and tell our 20-year-old self what we know now is our 40-year-old self or whatever the case may be that we just wish we wouldn't have made. But the beautiful thing about decisions and decisions we may regret is when we learn from them. 
And we have opportunities to learn from them. All of us in here have the opportunity to learn from poor decisions that we made or even good decisions we made. So there's two types of regret really in life. If you know, there's the regret of action. So you do something that you regret or, or the regret of inaction. That you don't do something that you should have done, you should have stood up for justice, or you should have stood up for someone, or you should have said a kind word to someone, or whatever they may be. And so there's two types of regret. And we actually, we see both types of regret in Scripture. So, so let's first look at the regret of action that we see from Peter. If you, most of you may know the story of Peter. If you don't know, Peter was one of Jesus' apostles that walked with him three years, all the way literally up to him carrying the cross. And he's walking side by side with him through the crowds as he's carrying this cross as scripture unfolds. And, and while he's walking with him, Jesus told him the night before, Hey, Peter, you're going to deny me before the rooster crows. Well, Peter's really prideful. He says, there's no way. There's no way I'll ever deny you. I'm with you till the end. I'm with you until death. I will never do that, Jesus. And sure enough, he's watching Jesus carry this cross. And he's in the crowds. And this person looks at Peter and says, Hey, you're, you're one of his. He says, For the third time, I never knew this man. And as soon as those words get out of Peter's mouth, I never knew this man, he hears the most deafening rooster crow he's ever heard in his life, and it crows. And at that moment when the rooster crows, Scripture says this is what Peter did next. And he went out and wept. Didn't cry. Didn't shed a tear. He went out and wept bitterly. You suppose in this moment... That Peter has a lot of regret in his life? Do you you suppose after he walked Jesus walk on water and make him walk on water himself and turn water into wine and and heal the lame and heal the blind and feed the thousands? Do you suppose at this moment that Jesus' life on Peter's impact is sitting there thinking, man, I, I blew it. And he's the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus, I was with him and I just blew it. I denied him. I can't imagine anyone in the course of humanity and our history that that has more regret than Peter does in this moment. Here's the beautiful thing, though. Jesus doesn't let him live in regret. Because if you know the story, Peter was moping. He was pouting. Matter of fact, he went back to doing what he was doing. He was fishing. Not for men. He was fishing for fish. And that's what Jesus said he was going to do. But, but he, he thought he blew it. I'm done. There's no way. You can't use me. I, I, I did the worst thing anyone in the history of humanity has ever done. There's no way. But watch what Jesus does in John chapter 21, verse 17. And he said to him the third time. How beautiful. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Yeah, Jesus has a sense of humor. Je, Jesus is very intentional here. Right? So, so he says to him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And then a third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. The word can also be frustrated because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. In other words, like Peter's like, you're, Jesus, you're, you're omniscient. Why do you keep asking me a question you know the answer to? You know my heart. But it was getting to a point, it wasn't about him keep asking him. He's like, hey, remember how many times you denied me? Now I'm going to restate, reinstate you just as many times. And guess what, Peter? You don't have to live in regret anymore. I'm here. I've forgiven you. No more regret. Move forward. And he says what? Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And so, Peter, you really blew it? But guess what? I still have a plan for your life. I hope that message for you right now serves a lot of hope, Woodland Hills. You really blew it at some point in your life, but guess what? He still has a plan for your life. 
You really blew it when you were a teenager? He still has a plan for your life. You really blew it in your first marriage? He still has a plan for your life. You really blew it wherever else, in your job, your last job? He still has a plan for your life. Matter of fact, he wants you to know don't live in regret because his grace is so amazing. This is what it says in Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so has he removed your transgressions from you. And that's so powerful if you understand what the psalmist is saying here. Because the psalmist is not saying in this scripture that as far as the north is from the south. No, he didn't say that. He said as far as the east is from the west. And let me tell you why I'm pointing that out. Because if I started here in Branson, Missouri, and I started going north, towards Canada, towards the North Pole, and then wrapping around to Russia. I stop going north, and then I start going south. So if I go south to Russia, south to China, south to the Indian Ocean, south to Antarctica, and wrap back around around South America, then I start going north again. So you see, north has its limits, and south has its limits. You can't go north forever, and you can't go south forever. Eventually, you start going in a different direction. But if I start in that same place in Branson, Missouri, and I start going west towards California, across the Pacific Ocean, across Hawaii, across Japan, China, the Middle East, Africa, back to the Carolinas, I'm still going west. And so I never stop going west. And in the same way, if I start in that same Branson, Missouri, and I start going east towards the Carolinas, and east towards Africa, and east towards the Middle East, and east towards China, and east, and east, and east, So you see, there's no limit to west and there's no limit to east. What this means is that His forgiveness and love knows no borders. And He says, as far as the east is from the west, so have I removed your transgressions from you. That is great news. That is amazing, over-the-top gospel good news. Which means you don't have to live in regret, but we can learn from it. To put it another way, there is no past, present, or future sin of ours that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. How much? Zero. None. There is nothing you have done in your past, there is nothing you might be currently living in, or there is nothing you might make a decision tomorrow that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. That is over-the-top amazing grace. And even if you have made a mistake, like I have, you don't, you don't want to know Adam is, is a high school kid and a college freshman. Whew! You don't want to know. I wouldn't be standing up here today if I was still that person. I assure you of that. But praise God for His grace that I'm not that same person. And by His transformation work in my life. But He works those things out, right? So Romans 8.28. So maybe you've blown it like I have. And we know that God causes all things to the work together for those who love God to those He's called according to His purpose. So we do dumb things, but God somehow redeems it. We make bad decisions, but God somehow redeems it. David made a bad decision with Bathsheba. God somehow redeemed it. All throughout Scripture, Abraham lied, but God somehow redeemed it. Moses got drunk, but God, I mean, Noah got drunk, but somehow God redeems it. So even when we make poor decisions in our life, God redeems it so we don't have to live in that shame and guilt. He's like, no, I'm actually going to use this. To chisel you out a little more and make you look different. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors and theologians, puts it this way. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. I love that quote. You can't change the past. And maybe like me, you've made some dumb decisions. You can't change it. But you can change today and and who you want to wake up to tomorrow. I was up in Kansas, middle of nowhere, Kansas, recruiting some ball players last weekend. For those of you that have been to Kansas, you know you can get off on some side roads and they go forever before you're going to get another turnoff. I mean, it's the Great Plains, man. That's why they're called that. You're in the middle of nowhere. You don't know where the next town's going to pop up. You just hope it pops up soon and you don't run out of gas. 
And so I miss my turnoff. I'm talking on the phone and I miss my turnoff. And, I, and I'm, a, I'm on a highway, uh, not an interstate, but a highway, and there's no turnoff to get back. And I'm thinking, next town's like 15 miles. And I'm thinking, goodness gracious, that, that's going to get me 45 minutes out of the way. I'm going to miss this kid's game. And, and so what do I do? Well, uh, I'm a sinner. And so I try to find the no U-turn possible on the highway where the highway patrol guys usually try to get you speeding tickets at, right? Yeah, some of you judgmental people are like, no, 10 and 2, next ho- turnoff. You better go to the next turnoff, you pastor. I'm telling Ted. Well, I didn't wait for the next turnoff because I had to get to the kids' game. And there was no highway patrol turnoff, so I just off-roaded it in the grass as quick as I could to get back the other way to get the right direction I was going. Why? Because here's, here's the reality. You and I both know, and you've been there with your own spouses and road trips, whatever you take. When you miss that turn off, you never look to your spouse in the side seat and say, hey, let's just, let's just go a couple more turn offs and, and then we'll turn around and get going back the right direction. No, you immediately turn around as fast as you can when you miss your turn off. We all do. And in the same way, if you know you're going in the wrong direction today, the fastest way to get going back in the right direction is to get off the next off-ramp or off-road it. Shoot. As as quick as you can. Ted shared a verse. It's one of my favorite verses last week from Ephesians 5, 15, and 17, which says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are foolish. Therefore, understand what the Lord's will is. I love the first part of that verse. It says, Understand, do not... Be unwise, but wise. I think too often we ask the question, is something right or wrong? I think that's the wrong question. I think we should start asking the question, is it wise? Right? I, 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 t- I tell young people all the time, like, hey, I'm not saying it's right or wrong to go down in a basement with no parental supervision and hang out. I don't think it's wise. Your hormones are going crazy and nothing good's going to happen there. If you're premarital, like, right, or, or, or like uh, young college kids that I pour into, they, they're like, hey, Jesus hung out with sinner. I can go to parties. Yet he also walked on water. I don't see you doing that, sucker. <laughs> and and so, so I just tell young people the same thing I'll tell you. Stop asking the question if something is right or wrong. You can justify anything you want every which way. Start asking the question, is it wise? Is this a wise decision? And I believe if you and I start asking the question, is it wise more than if it's right or wrong, there will be a whole lot less regret in our lives. I, I believe that. Right? So, so that's, that's the regret of action. We've all made dumb decisions. We've had to live with those decisions. But God forgives those decisions. There's no decision we've made that is more gross than His grace is sufficient. Amen? What about the regret of inaction? Of not doing something. What we learn from King Saul. So King Saul was the first king that was raised up by God after the period of judges. And he was the first one. Well, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, he commits an unlawful act of a sacrifice. And so now he's pouting. He knew he did something wrong. He's pouting. Some versions say he's hanging out in a pomegranate cave. Other versions say it's a pomegranate tree. Nevertheless, he's pouting. He's hanging out. and He's not doing what he's supposed to do. And he's got a huge army with him. Well, his son is Jonathan. You know, Jonathan and David become really good friends. As a matter of fact, kindred spirits, as Scripture says, they're best friends. Both have hearts for God. And Jonathan really loves God, and his dad's not doing what he's supposed to do. And, and so while his dad, the king, Saul, is sitting on his laurel, Prince Jonathan says, I'm not going to do this. And look at what Jonathan says in 1 Samuel 14.6. Then Jonathan said to the young man, while his dad's not being obedient, who was carrying his armor, come and let us cross over the garrison of these uncircumcised men. I love this. Perhaps 
Perhaps. Per- per- perhaps the Lord will. Not guaranteed. But, but, I, but I know this for certain, Jonathan is saying without saying it. God, God didn't create me just to sit on my laurels under a pomegranate tree. I, I, I do know that. I, I do know God didn't create me just to sit here and do nothing. As a matter of fact, there's not one of you in here he created just to sit and do nothing. He's got animals and trees to do the whole photosynthesis process. Right? That, how that whole O2 trains, transformation through oxygen and everything. He didn't create you to sit here and do nothing. Even if you've been through a tough season in your life, whether you think you've been wounded or hurt, whatever, God doesn't create humans to do nothing. It doesn't matter if you're 95 or 5. If you're still breathing, you're here for a reason. And God has you here for a reason. And it's not just to take up oxygen and stack your 401k. Jonathan understood that. He completely understood. God didn't just put me here to hang out underneath a pomegranate tree. Collect rays in May 1st in Branson. That's not what he did it for. He said, perhaps the Lord will work for us because the Lord is not limited to saving by many or by few. So you know what happens? Him and his armor bearer, two, go up to this Philistine outpost, 20. Guess who wins? Jonathan and his armor bearer, two against 20. God disrupts the whole camp. A little whirlwind happens. They two start looking around at each other like, wow, that's awesome. Jonathan didn't win. When he defeated the 20 Philistines. Jonathan won. Right here. When he took the step of faith. When he took the step of faith. That's where you and I win. When we just step out in faith and say, Alright God, I know you didn't create me just to exist. Here I am. I'm going to take a step of faith today. I'm going to move forward in action today so I don't regret inaction later. And this is what we do. This is how Satan loves to work. But what if? But, 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 but what if it doesn't work and I fail? What if... What, what, if, what if you never try? Right? I've, I've never in my life regretted trying. I've never in my life regretted giving rather than taking. I've never regretted in my life spending time with family. I've, I've never regretted pausing from social media. Those things in my life I've never regretted. I'd rather it fail and try than, than never try and not know. Right? Because failure is only failure if you fail to learn from it. And remember, God uses failure in our life to shape us into more who we might be becoming. Today's failure might be tomorrow's success without you realizing it. And he's using it. But, but what if people laugh at me? The far left is already laughing at all of you guys. What are you talking about? What more do you got to lose? Like, like what? Like, it's great. What if they laugh at you? They're already laughing at us. So, so why don't you give them a better reason to laugh at you? Because you're taking a step of faith and you look crazy to them. Great. In the process, maybe some of them will come to know Christ. But, but, but what if I'm rejected? You don't suppose every single one of those disciples that followed Jesus was rejected and will be rejected? As a matter of fact, Jesus said, hey, if you love me, the world's going to hate you. you. You will be. Good, good. If you're rejected, that means you're doing what you should be doing. Galatians 1.10 says, Am I trying to win the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? For if I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Right? But what if, what if I'm incapable of pulling it off? You are. I am. We, we all are. You, you, you suppose when Noah was building that ark, he started building this huge ark in the middle of nowhere. His friends come up to him. What are you building? An ark? What's that? I don't know. Well, what are you building it for? Rain? What's that? I don't know. What's it going to do? It's going to flood? What's a flood? I don't know. 
So hold on. You're, you're building an I don't know what for I don't know for an I don't know? Uh-huh. Pretty much nailed it. He wasn't worried about that. He was worried just about being faithful. What if, what if it seems financially impossible? You know, Psalm 50.10 says, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Every beast of the forest is his. Right? There, there's another word for God which is called Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord provides. If He's called you to it, He's going to bring you through it and He's going to provide if it's His will. Right? I'm always fascinated by young people in our culture in America that say, I'll get married when i got all my finances in order. What? Could you imagine if that same philosophy existed in undeveloped countries? Nobody in Haiti, the DR, Rwanda, they would ever get married. When are their finances ever going to be in order? Like you couldn't get more. This idea that you have to have money before you—the best years of my marriage were our first two years when we were broke, couldn't pay the heating bill. We're on this little space heater around our couch trying to stay warm. Ramen noodles and hot dogs, baby, let's go. That developed an intimacy between my wife and I that will never be replaced. It's unbelievable what the tough times do. And God brings us to those tough times for a reason. But 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 none of these are good reasons for not stepping into action for what God might want to do with your life, right? So there's three things I want to cover with you. Mistakes will happen, okay? Learn from them. Learn from them. The author puts it this way, from our deepest pains come our greatest passions. So I grew up in a broken family. Now I pour into young men all the time. And obviously, I, I, my heart is inclined to young men that grow up in broken families as well. Why? Because from a deep pain came a great passion. And so maybe you were abused, maybe you were hurt, maybe you went through a divorce, maybe you had an alcoholic father, maybe you had a drug addict parent, whatever it may be, maybe you went through something difficult. Has it ever occurred to you that God used that really difficult season in your life so that you may comfort and encourage somebody else now in their life? That He had great purpose for your pain, even though you didn't see it in the moment. And maybe you're in that pain now today, but God says, I have purpose, even though you don't see it. I have purpose for your pain. And I'm going to use it. And it's going to restore and it's going to redeem people that are going to go through the same thing. It's amazing how many people you discover have a miscarriage when you have a miscarriage. My wife and I went through a miscarriage. We had no idea that that many people had miscarriage. And, you have, and then the people just comfort you because they've been through it. And there's a different sympathy that comes towards you from people that have been through it. Just like people that have grown up in broken homes. There's a different sympathy that comes from someone from a broken home towards someone else in a broken home. But God doesn't waste any of our pain or our suffering. He uses it. Proverbs 26.11 says, Learn from your mistakes. Like a dog that returns to its vomit, so is a fool who repeats his foolishness. Remember, failure is only failure if we fail to learn from it. It says it like this in Proverbs 22.3, The prudent sees danger and hides himself. Not is it right or wrong. Is it wise? But the simple go on and suffer for it. There's regret there. Right? The second thing is mistakes don't have to define us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm not defined by decisions I made when I was 11 years old or decisions I made when I was 18 years old or decisions I made when I was 19 years old. Praise the Lord that that doesn't define me. Praise the Lord that this is what defines me. It's His Word, His grace, and His forgiveness. So I don't know where any of you are at today. I don't know very many of you in here on a personal level, but but I know whatever mistake you've made in your life, it doesn't define you. Jesus Christ does. And His grace and forgiveness on the cross does. And there's no mistake you've made that is greater than His love. And there never will be. 
right? Put it this way. Look at this. This is amazing. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. I absolutely love this passage of Scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort, comfort too. God has walked you through something really difficult so that you can comfort someone else going through something really difficult. He's writing your story. And through that something difficult you went through, He's sharpening you and sanctifying you so that you're going to be able to impact somebody else. Whatever it may, whatever hurt you grew up in the home, whatever heartbreak, whatever divorce, whatever you went through. It's crazy to see most people that like rock divorce care and have an impact on lives. It's people that went and got divorced, got remarried, put Jesus in the center of their lives, and now they're impacting other marriages like crazy. Why? Because they can relate. Oh, we used to fight like that. Oh, we used to have this fallout. Oh, we used to not see each other the same way. We used to go through the same way. So God raises up these broken vessels and makes beautiful mosaics out of them and says, now impact the world. So he brings you through something difficult so that you can use that to impact others. Right? It's hard to relate to somebody who in a broken home, there's never been in a broken home. You don't, you don't understand where I'm coming from. And so God gets that and he said, no, no, I'm going to put you through difficult times because you're going to encounter people down the road that have been through the same times and you're going to minister to them. You're going to impact them. But you can't impact them without getting off your laurels. You can't impact them. But all of you have a story. Your, your pain is a part of your past. But God gets to redeem it. You don't have to live in shame. You don't get to live in guilt. Like the God is not a God of guilt and shame. He's a God of forgiveness. And so we don't have to worry and let our regret define us. The third one is this. I'm sorry. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Not children of our mistakes. Not children of our sin. Not, not children of what we've done in the past. No, no, no. We should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Can I get an amen? amen? That's what you are. You're a son of the Most High. You are a daughter of the King. You are not defined by the mistakes you've made in the past. Okay. The third one is this. Mistakes develop meekness. I, I, I love this, right? If any of us were perfect, first of all, I'd come polish your halo and, and you wouldn't be in here today. But, but second of all, look, there's something about our mistakes that make us more like Christ. And I've said this. I've never heard anybody in my life say, you know what? I don't like that person. They're just too humble. <laughs> said no one ever, right? And, and so th- th- there's mistakes, right? There's frailty to our humanness, right? The, 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 the fact that we do make mistakes makes us more dependent upon Christ, that we need Him every day, that we need to be reminded of the gospel every day. And if you struggle with pride, just wake up every morning and remind yourself of the gospel. Wake up and be like, God, I deserve hell today. Well, thanks to the cross, I'm not going there. Whew, that keeps me in a humble place. Because what we all deserve, every single one of us in here deserve hell. Right? To think above that is pride. So, so you got to think about Peter, right? Peter was pretty prideful. If, if, you, if you think about everything that took place before that, he was really prideful. You imagine the denying and the rooster? I, I'm willing to bet that served a little bit of humble pie. That, that probably humbled my brother a little bit. Right? Uh, Matthew 5.5 5 says, Blessed are the meek, or the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus loves humility in us. Why? Because he's the epitome of humility. Pride and Jesus are on the opposite end of the spectrum. 
And, and when we walk in meekness and humility, we exude Christ. We show the rest of the world Jesus. We show the rest of the world His humility. Right? And, and if we never made mistakes, if you were just perfect, there's not much humility that comes with that. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of pride that comes with that. And as we walk in pride, right, that, that repels people from the gospel. That repels people from who Jesus is. And then, and then an author that I think is pretty uh, credible to speak on this subject right here is, is Peter himself. We talked about 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself. Therefore, he's saying, hey, humble yourself or guess what? I'm speaking from experience here. God will. So you can humble yourself or God's going to do it in one way or another. It's through a mistake you make, something you say, something you do. God will humble us if we don't want to humble ourselves. Right? So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at proper time He may exalt you. You know how He exalted Peter? He's crucified upside down. That, that was Peter's exalted. And, and so in everything we do, Right, every every mistake we've made, every everything we've done in the past, like it it, it doesn't have to define us. And, and, and so it's it's easy to blame, right? It's easy to want to blame people for our hurt. It's easy to want to blame something or some circumstance for our past. Now, I'm not excusing anyone that has maybe caused you hurt in your life. They 100% need to take responsibility for those actions, whatever that pain may be. But no one is responsible for your decisions. Help me clarify that. I, I'm not saying that, that the pain you may experience from anyone or anything in your life was warranted. I hate any pain that's been caused in your life. But from that pain, your decisions are still your responsibilities. And so I've been dealt pain in my life. But my decisions are still my responsibility. I don't get to blame anyone else for my decisions. And so, so I have to accept full responsibility of the decisions I've made, good or bad, out of my pain. And so do all of us. But here's the beautiful thing about when we admit to our pain and we admit to our decisions. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to purify us from all unrighteousness. All of it. So I don't know what pain has caused decisions. Sometimes pain drives us to the bottle. Sometimes pain drives us to drugs. Sometimes pain drives us to abuse. Sometimes pain drives us to regret. We've got to accept it. And know despite that we've made poor decisions, Jesus still wants to use every single one of you in here. Every single one of you. There's nothing you've done that is beyond Him being able to use you. Nothing in this whole world. He, He takes beauty from ashes. From death to life. And and he says he wants to use all of us. But when we walk and live in regret and shame and guilt, it paralyzes us. And Jesus is here today to tell you, don't be paralyzed. Right? And so I close with this. Two men betrayed Jesus on the night he was crucified. It was Judas and Peter. Judas Iscariot. Judas had worldly sorrow, which we know is regret. And his life was ended. He went and hung himself. They suppose, theologians, the tree branch snapped and it dropped and his body went everywhere. And that, and that was how regret served Judas Iscariot. Peter had a pretty, pretty big regret that we talked about, had godly sorrow, repentance, and his life was transformed forever. We have the same choices those men had. When we face regret, we can let it consume our lives or we can lay our fault at the feet of Jesus, turn from it, and let him restore us and use us. Which I'll say again, He wants to use you. 
He didn't put this put you on this planet not to use you. He wants to use every single one of you. Every single one of us are here for a purpose, and he will turn your pain into passions to impact the world for his gospel and his kingdom. And so, I don't know if you know this, but every week, if this is your first time here, we have a prayer team. And maybe today you're thinking about some regret in your life. Maybe today you're thinking about some shame and guilt in your life. Some mistakes or decisions that you've made that you wish you wouldn't. we got a prayer team here just for you. They don't share your business. They don't put this out on the church email. No, this is... This is for you to have a conversation with two very trusted people or in our prayer team and get to have that conversation and feel the redemption and forgiveness of Jesus. And they'll be up here after I pray, so if you want to have a conversation with them, please feel free to do so. But let us pray. Father God, thank you so much that your word reassures that we don't have to live in guilt and shame. Thank you for the example of Peter. Thank you for the example of Jonathan. And Lord, I just pray that Every person in here would know that you have a plan for their life. A plan to give them hope. A plan to heal them. A plan to restore them. And a plan to use them so that their pains may be used to comfort others in similar pains down the road. I lift them all up to you, Lord. I pray they would be impact in this county and beyond. May they have a beautiful week of worship. We pray all these things in the powerful, pure, high and holy name of Jesus. And all God's people said...